Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine. On sale now. From the dirt tracks across Australia, welcome to Inside Speedway with Dennis Newman and Craig Ravel. Yes, and welcome to Inside Speedway for another week. Dennis Newman is not with us today. He is working hard on the latest edition of Speedway Classics. And, well, some of the stuff uh, he's been mentioning to me about the story they're doing on Johnny Stewart, it's going to be absolutely a, uh, well, a page turner. You won't be able to put it down from what it sounds like. And we're looking forward to seeing it coming out in the new year or later this year, actually. But it is great to have you back on Inside Speedway once again this week. Looking at uh, a couple of things that are going on in the world of Speedway, we might kick it off with uh, uh, over in Poland. Chris Holder has made a, a guest appearance for the Sparta Rocklaw, the WTS Sparta Rocklaw team, and uh, finished the night on Eight, well, eight plus one point. So um, he was the second highest scorer as a guest for Sparta Warclaw. Now, Max Frick had three rides, but only scored one point. Uh, Ty Woofenen topped the score for Sparta Warclaw. But interesting enough, it was their first home game after two away games, and they ended in a tie against the Solar Flablas Green Mountain side. So 45 points apiece. Uh, and it was Wolfenden with 13 points, uh, Magic Ionowski with uh, 9 plus 2, Chris Holder with 8 plus 1, uh, Maxim Drabic with 4 plus 1. Oh, and uh, Solo uh, Signal was 8 plus 1, being the major scorers for Warclaw. For Fablas, it was uh, top scorer. In uh, Martin Vasilik with 11 points. Then uh, it was Antonio Lindback, Michael Jepsen Jetson, and also Peter Pretzaswick doing a good job there, picking up nine plus one. Patrick Dudek also picking up nine points for the Flablas Green Mountain side. But the, in the end, it was a draw and it left them on 45 points apiece. Uh, as we look, at Sparta, they're racing on Friday night once again. So it uh, should be another home match at the Olympic Stadium against the Magarden GKM Grudzida's team. And I, uh, I can guarantee you I got that pronunciation wrong. So uh, where is Sparta? Because we're following Sparta because Max Frick is racing there. And, of course, as I mentioned, Chris Holder was guesting. 13 years since he actually raced with the Sparta, uh, with the, uh, well, back then it was the Atlas uh, Warclaw team, but it was 13 years since he had raced with the Warclaw side. He uh, went off to Turin for a while and now he is in a position where he can guest. So Sparta is sitting in fifth place on the championship table with uh, three points. So one win, one draw and two losses, but they've got a uh, home game coming up and that should hopefully see them get some points back. At the moment, it's Lesno leading 
eight points with four wins this season. Good news that the Polish Speedway Grand Prix has been given a new date and that will see the the Polish Grand Prix on the 31st of July for the race in Poland. And I think that could be the first of the Speedway Grand Prix. We've got a great show coming up for you. I spoke to uh, a category that doesn't get a lot of airtime on uh, most of the uh, programs. It is the Grand Prix Midgets. And it was great to have Chris Fowler along. And you can hear that interview in After This Break. Inside Speedway is available on sportsradio.com.au iTunes, Spotify, and the Dirt Track Channel.com. Well, joining us on the line here on Inside Speedway is Chris Fowler from the Victorian Grand Prix Midget Racing Association. And, well, congratulations. Not the way you wanted to, but you are the club champion of 2019 and 2020 after five rounds. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Um, yeah, no, not the way we wanted to... Uh finish the season, but uh, unfortunately the, the way of the world at the moment, um, yeah, it's uh, unfortunate, uh, yeah, we, we didn't get to finish off the, the full season, but uh, yeah, um, you know, still pretty happy with our performance, you know, throughout the season, we were fairly consistent, um, yeah, but uh, yeah, looking forward to, you know, getting back on the track uh, for next season. Well, you run the number 13, and I'm always fascinated how people pick their numbers. How did you how did you go with uh, picking that one? Because uh, many say, unlucky for some. Yeah, yeah, no, look, uh, well, by, by inheritance uh, was the way I got mine. Um, so the old man used to run 13. And, um, yeah, look, basically when I started out racing, uh, you know, I was more than happy to carry on that uh, tradition that he'd started. And, uh you know, it's been unlucky for us for, for a number of years, but uh, the last couple of seasons we've uh, seen to improve and, um, yeah, a bit more luck. Now, the Victorian Association seems to be going from strength to strength over the last, uh, well, probably two, three years. What's been the uh, catalyst for this uh, resurgence in GP midgets? Yeah, look, I think yeah, the, the biggest resurgence has been uh, car numbers. Um, you know, they've had the uh, Perry brothers that have been building chassis, um, you know, and uh, our, our new chassis, um, which is built by uh, Ross and, and Danny Stainer, um, who, you know, Danny's a, a well-known racer in his own right and, and won many titles. Um, and certainly, you know, they've built a couple of cars, which has helped uh, get the numbers back on track. Um, we've got another builder um, who's uh, would have had some cars built, but uh, just just due to COVID, um, that's sort of held a few things up. But um, there's certainly some, uh, a new manufacturer coming in, um, and I think the other big thing is uh, you know the relationship between the Victorian club and the New South Wales club. Um, you know, we've we've managed to get an Australian set of regs put in place, and um, you know we, we've been supporting them, and, and they're supporting us, and I think that's certainly helping. Uh, you know, both clubs, and, um, you know, I think uh, that's only going to go from strength to strength in the, in the coming season. Mm. The Victorian and possibly the Australian uh, Grand Prix midget scene had been dominated really by, uh, a, well, a couple of names, but most importantly, Dennis Meyer. 
what yeah. what was Dennis's? What was it about Dennis who uh, could just you know turn up and leave everyone for dead? Yeah, Dennis, he's um, he's a one of a kind. Um, you know, he, he certainly knows his uh, you know the mechanical side of things, uh, engineer by trade. So um, from that point of view, he's you know um, certainly got his head around how to set a car up. But um, you know, he, he's just a competitive man, and you know one of the nicest guys you'll come across. But um, when he puts that helmet on, um, he'll tell you that he's he's, he's not really trying. But uh, you know deep down that he's. Um, Giving it a good good shake, and um, you know he's been in the club for many years, and you know he's um, certainly been one of the catalysts of the club continuing on for this long. Um, you know he certainly served um, on the on the committee um, for many years as well, and um, certainly you know through sponsorship as well um, with Duke Balance Automotive. So he's um, you know in, in a way been been a bit of the backbone of the. Um, Along with a few other people, um, you know, uh, Mark Shields. He's had several cars running. Um, you know, he's still got three cars that he runs, um, and um, him and Pitstop Mowers certainly have uh, helped the club tremendously. Um, you know, through some of the tough times as well. But um, yeah, just going back to Dennis, he's a you know, he's a ten-time uh, club champion. You know, uh, I think he's got. Uh, a couple of uh, Australian titles and uh, you know six or so Victorian titles. So he's certainly one of the uh, you know the big names in our sport and um, probably the uh, exciting uh, part to the Myers um, story is Alex Myers who's uh, jumped in the, the seat uh, this season. And, um, you know he's still still learning and finding his feet, but um, you know he had a heat win um, at Avalon earlier in the year and. Certainly, he's shown already that um, he, you know, he's going to be uh, exciting to watch in the coming years. It's uh, he sort of took over from Lester Appleton, didn't he, as being the the man to beat? Yeah, he did in a way. Him and him and um, you know, Lester uh, Appleton was certainly one of the uh, the big names. You know, in the early nineties, um, him and Noel Freeman, um, they, they certainly had some really good battles. And um, I remember as a, a kid. Um, you know, going to going to watch uh, Dad race, but um, it was always the, the Noel and Lester show. And, um, you know, once uh, Noel and Lester sort of uh, decided to, to hang the helmet up, um, Dennis was then the, the man to beat. And you know, um, then it became you know him and uh, Mark Cecil um, was another tough one to beat. Um, Les Sawyer. Um, so there was a few few guys sort of in that uh, era. That um, you know, Dennis, I think went. You know, there was a fair few years where it was about six years in a row, seven years in a row, where he was club champion. So, um, a very tough man to beat. Mm. You mentioned that uh, there's been a few changes in the uh, Grand Prix midgets. One of which is because when I when I was a kid growing up, seventies, the thing that got me about the Grand Prix midgets was that they looked like a 1960s, early 70s Grand Prix car in as much as they had the, the rear engine, they had uh, almost just the, the cylindrical uh, tub. Nowadays, and they were independent suspension. Nowadays, they're Correct. a long way away from, uh, from that. And I believe you're still running a mix, independent suspensions and now a, a lot more fixed axle or more traditional uh 
sprint car speedway open wheeler uh, configuration. Yeah, yeah. And look, I think that's the, the exciting part about our class is that there is so many options. Um, you know, a lot of the cars, um, you know, we still run the rear engine, uh, which is quite unique to our class. Um, and in terms of suspension, you've got, yeah, you've got your uh, beam axle cars and, and you know, independent suspension as well. Um, and then, you know, um, some of the guys are running coil over shocks, others are running torsion bars. So, yeah, there's a lot of different options. Um, and I think that's one of the attractions to our class um, for guys that do, you know, come into the, the sport, that um, they've got options that they can try something different and, you know, and um, try and get the, the car to work. Because, um, Depending on track conditions, the independent cars, you know, are still just as competitive, you know, as the the beam axles. Um, and yeah, uh, it's just a, a really exciting part of our, our racing. Um, that you, you will see, you know, some of these older cars that, you know, take Jason Cross for instance. He, he's got one of the, um, you know, Brian Pilbeam uh, built uh, Singer chassis, which were built in the early nineties, and um, you know he's. You know, he's won some, some club championships and, um, you know, second in the championship this year. Um, and he's probably, you know, the main competitor I've got in, in the class at the moment um, to, to beat. And he's driving a car that's, you know, 30, you know, almost 30 years old. So, um, yeah, it, it is really exciting that those cars were ahead of their time and, um, you know, they're still competitive. Was it? Perry's that brought in sort of the high bar design. Uh, so the in terms of the the, um, the beam axles, they were the early nineties. They came in um, with the with the Stinger chassis. Um, so uh, the Perry's uh, they redesigned the, the the shape of the chassis, and, and certainly um, from memory, they're running coilovers on the rear as well. So. Um, it's a slightly different setup that they've got, um, and you know, as we've seen, you know, they're, they're a mighty competitive car. Um, you know, they've they've really been, um, you know, the benchmark in the last sort of four or five years um, in the class to beat. But um, certainly, I think um, you know, our car's right up there now. Um, you know, thanks to, to Danny and Ross Dana, that's a you know, certainly a, a very competitive car, and. Um, you know, I think that uh, any of these new cars that are getting built, um, it's a great you know way into the sport for somebody that uh, you know wants to come in and be competitive straight away. They can just come in and you know buy that off the shelf and and, and get racing straight away. Mm. Now, uh, before we uh, speak a bit more about yourself, let's talk about the the five of uh, the Grand Prix midgets because they they are still running the motor motorcycle engine, but what CC size limits do you have? Yeah, so most of the guys are running um, um, GSX-R1000 or, or Yamaha, Yamaha R1. Um, you can run up to a 1200cc uh, motorcycle motor, um, and most of the guys now are going to fuel injected, but um, you can run carburetor, um, and, and they're all run on methanol, so... Um, you know, and you can run any brand you want. Um, Suzuki and Yamaha are the, the most popular, but um, there's a few guys over the years that have tried different things. Um, you know, we've seen some Hondas and um, Kawasaki's uh, run as well. So, 
yeah, you're not limited to, to a brand or, you know, it's purely just uh, size. And, um, you know, um, we ran, you know, carburetor for, for many years. Um, it's only been recently with this uh, car that we've had for the last two seasons that we've gone to the fuel injection. Mm. Well, you mentioned that uh, it's a family tradition. So what was it that made you decide, I'm going to jump in the car and, and give it a go myself? Well, uh, I've been going to watch the old man race since, you know, since I was a toddler. And, um, you know, to be honest, um, since, since from about the age of six, I've been itching to get into the car and have a drive. So, um, you know, it was always going to happen. It was just a matter of when. And, um, you know, that uh, took a break away from the sport, um, you know, when I was in my sort of um, mid-teenage years. Um, and, you know, once I sort of turned, you know, 16, 17, I was, I was itching to get into uh, into the sport and, um yeah, you know, Dad sort of said, "Look, you can you can have a go, but uh, no, I think you need to get some practice first. So I ended up, um, you know, making my way through speedway carts, um, did that for a couple of seasons, and then uh, I had a few work commitments, and uh, it wasn't until uh, I think it was about the two thousand and nine ten season that um, we finally got Dad's old car up and running and um, put that on the track to to see how I'd go." And you obviously didn't look back. Haven't looked back since then. So um, the old man had second thoughts. I think uh, the first run out, um, we had uh, a fuel supply issue and I had the foot flat to the floor and I think after about two laps, they were lapping me and uh, I think the old man had second thoughts. He, he wasn't sure whether I, you know, was cut out for it or not. And, uh, you know, it wasn't until, uh, you know, later in the night that we uh, that he'd worked out, you know, that uh, I wasn't getting enough power. So um, we soon fix that, and um, yeah, look. As with any, you know, racing, um, you know, I did my apprenticeship there, and um, you know, it took me a, a season or two to, to get up on the pace. Pace, but um, you know, we're we're a good midfield running car there for you know quite a few seasons, and then we updated to a Stinger chassis. Um, so it was that old independent that we first initially uh, ran, and then um, yeah, moved into the Stinger chassis, which was. Um, yeah, a lot quicker, um, and then um, we've ran that quite successfully. And uh, only two seasons ago, we uh, got a, a car built uh, by Danny and Ross Dana, and um, you know that car is just a rocket ship now. And uh, you know it's a lot easier. We can just go to the track, and we, we you know pretty much um, in the ballpark of where we need to be and, and set up, ready to go. And um, we know we're going to be competitive so um yeah it's taking a lot of the stress out of uh racing and um yeah i think as most racers know that uh you know you'll uh have a, have a few problems at the track and uh you get a bit jaded at times and, and think oh you know is it, is it worth doing it and then uh you know it only takes sort of uh one good race meeting to, to hook you back in again and um you know we go at it again now uh, with uh, the series, Formula 500s have been very successful by having that junior's step. Is there a junior's Grand Prix midget step or it's just uh, that's why you went off doing the kart, speedway karting? Yeah, we, unfortunately we don't have that step. Um, uh, generally, uh, you know, speedway karts would be the, uh, the lead into it. But, um, yeah, we've got... Uh, this season, we've got a, uh, a young 
uh, new driver, 16-year-old um, Jack Ward, um, who's going to be jumping in and having a drive. So you, know, you don't necessarily need to you know, have, have, have run juniors um, you know, to, to jump in the car. Um, you know, it's one of those ones that um, the guys are pretty considerate uh, races. You know, we all race hard, but we're all out there for a bit of fun. And, um, you know, um, we know the guys that are, you know, learning and um, generally uh, we, we can stay out of their way and, and then they can stay out of ours. Um, so it is, you know, it's an affordable class. It's, you know, it's great fun. It's a, a real family-driven class too, um, you know. Um, and, and I suppose the, the other the other aspect of it is that, um, you know, guys just want to go out there and ha- have fun, uh, enjoy themselves and, you know, we all have a, a beer and a, a barbecue, you know, after the meeting, and uh, you know, talk, talk about uh, the old days, and, and, and you know, stir each other a bit and have a good joke. Mm, indeed. Now, as most speedway divisions, or certainly the open wheel speedway divisions, they look at their pinnacle being over there in America. But Grand Prix midgets, uh, not so much to my knowledge in America, but they're still quite strong in England where they can have a front, side, or rear engine configuration. That uh, must make a, an interesting opportunity, I guess, to be able to race overseas. But more importantly, it means that there are other people doing what you're doing with similar, at least, cars. Yeah, the um, I don't know a great deal about the, the ones in the UK. I've, I've seen bits and pieces on YouTube. Um, I, think, I believe they run um, on bitumen over there. Um, so... Yeah, look, the specs are probably a little slightly different, um, but um, yeah, look, it, you know, there's opportunities. Um, we've had guys come through our ranks um, that have moved into you know um, other classes, um, such as sprint cars. Um, Ryan Davis is one that uh, comes to mind that that made the step up, and you know he's he's been quite competitive now in in sprint cars. Um, you know, going back. Uh, in the earlier days, um, you know Kevin McCallum um, was another one who who ran GP midgets. So there's been a few over the years um, that have sort of made that transition. But um, you know, it's also a class that you can come to as well. You know you don't have to step up. You know, they are a, a really fast car. car um, but um, you know um, really we're only you know not far off you know the speed of um, a speed car really. Uh, so you know, depending on the track conditions. Yeah, certainly Ian Savile, the first Australian champion, and I think he won two Australian championships in the GP midgets, spent many years running speed cars, and now his son's uh, running sprint cars in, in Australia and mostly in the United States. So it certainly does uh, give you plenty of opportunities. The cost of the cars, how, how much does it cost to set up and, and get running? Yeah, really cheap. Um, to be honest with you, um, you know, when you look at what guys are spending on on speed cars and sprint cars, even some of the sedan classes these days, that you know they're spending uh, a lot of money. Um, you know, you can buy a, an engine motor out of a, a wreck bike, you know, for, for two grand, and you know, put, pop it into your, into a chassis and go racing. Um, so it, it is really, you know, um, affordable. Um, you know, you can buy a brand new car off the shelf for, you know, um, you know, ready to, ready to race for sort of, you know, 20 to 25,000. Um, you know, 
but then you know there's, there's cars going around second-hand cars and you can get a good competitive car for, for ten thousand so you know, in the scheme of things it's it, it's really affordable um, running costs you know really unless you're doing something silly you, you might take a couple of sets of tires for a season um, you know um, pure to and to and from the venue is probably your biggest expense really because um, uh, we do race right across the state, so there is a bit of travel involved. Um, but uh, you know, for me, that's—I uh, just look at that as good family time with the old man, and you know, we have a good time just travelling around. And um, yeah, but uh, no, it, it, it's really affordable. If, you know, if you get if you pick up one or two sponsors, that generally will cut your cost. You know, unless you do some major damage. Yeah. Now we have been speaking about. Primarily the Victorian Club, which you're the treasurer of, but you mentioned you've still got good ties and you're running an interstate series with New South Wales. What about the rest of Australia? Yeah, so we used to have um, a, a club in Tasmania and the ACT as well. Um, unfortunately, um, they uh, don't exist anymore. Um, and so it is just the Victorian and New South Wales Club, but. You know, we had been uh, this season. We we had a um, interstate challenge that we uh, ran the the, first, uh, the second round of. The first round got washed out, but uh, we ran the second round of. And then, uh, unfortunately, due to COVID, uh, we didn't get to, to finish that series. But um, that's something that we will look at getting uh, added, you know, in the future. Um, it is something that both clubs are wanting to work towards. You know, um, getting a, a, an interstate series. Going um, next season, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. Uh, whether there'll be one or not, um, it'll really just depend what happens with uh, you know, COVID-19 and uh, uh, whether whether the Victorians will be allowed to race first of all. And, <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, at the moment, it's one of those things that you just don't know where that's going. Mm. Now, over the last couple of years, the Australian titles sort of uh, flip-flop between New South Wales and Victoria, but Nowra missed out this year. Well, do you think Nowra might uh, be asked to uh, try and host again next year? Yeah, so I think I believe the plans are to run that at the start of uh, this coming season. So I think that's um, booked in for November at this stage. So, um, and then uh, the... 2021 uh, Australian title will be at uh, Rushworth in March. And how is planning? Are you are you able to use this, uh, you know, forced hiatus of racing to be able to develop some ideas and plans and things that you, you never get time to because you're always trying to work on your car or get to the next race? Yeah, look, uh, we're always we're always thinking, uh, you know, and coming up with ideas, and then we we, we should shoot most of them down because they're no good. But, uh, um, yeah, no, look, the, um, the calendar for next year, we've, we've pretty much got that uh, sorted out. And um, I think we're just waiting on one or two dates um, from uh, a couple of clubs um, that haven't had their uh, AGMs yet. But, um, it's yeah, looking quite good. I think we've got nine rounds for the Master Series next year. Um, and then, obviously, the, the titles. Um you know, we've got uh, the Avalon Round, which is uh, the Wally Ann Skaters Cup. Um, so, you know, I think the, what the club has done well over the last few years is um, really giving um, some prestige to a few events. You know, we've got the, um, as I said, the Wally Ann Skaters Cup at Avalon. We've got the Iron Bark Classic, uh, which is at Rushworth. Um, Wangaratta has the Wangaratta Cup. 
Um, so, you know, there's a few, um, you know, good races. We've, you know, we've done the um, Southern uh, Showdown um, or Southern Shootout, I think it might be called. But uh, so, yeah, um, I think the club's done really well at sort of promoting that. So, you know, for guys that aren't trying to win the championship, um, you know, they can still rock up on any one night and it's, you know, they're, they're, they're running for a, an event rather than just another, you know, points meeting. Um, so, that, that, that's, you know, a good aspect to the, you know, uh, our club and we've, we've really tried to develop that um, and I think that's sort of going in the right direction. Um, but, yeah, what will happen, uh, you know, from, uh, next year onwards, we're, we're not too sure. I think, you know, everything's looking really positive within the club um, and, yeah, we're just, you know, hanging out to get back on the track now. We're, uh, I think we're all over uh, being locked up and, and, and sitting at home. Indeed, I think everyone's that way. Chris Fowler from the Victorian Grand Prix Midgets Association, it's a pleasure to speak with you. And if you're listening and want to know more, gpmidgets.com.au is where you can find all the the news on the Victorian Grand Prix Midget Racing Association and uh, find out a lot more about the cars and about the, uh, the history and seasons of Grand Prix Midgets in Victoria and also Australia. Chris, thanks very much for your time. Yeah, thanks, Ray. Thanks very much for the opportunity to have a chat. Great to have Chris Fowler on the show with us today. Just a, a couple of pieces of information. Licence fees. Speedway Australia announcing that licence fees are remaining unchanged for next season. Also, uh, if you're an official They've got their official training program online. So that's great news. You can go online and do the officials training program. Now, so to the world of outlaws, and they've got three races in three days. First on Friday to the 34 Raceway, then to Wilmot and on to Terrahue. So Friday in Iowa, Saturday in Wyoming, Sorry, in Wisconsin, and then into Indiana for the action track at Terra Hue. So that will be great to see them. And then, of course, they're off on Tuesday to the Ohio Logistics Brad Doty Classic at Attica Raceway. We do have uh, Brad uh, Sweet leading the championship, and he has got, I'm just grabbing the points now, he has got a handy buffer of 114 points. Brad Sweet, Ogver, Logan Schuhart, Donnie Schotts, Carson Macedo, Sheldon Hoddenschild, rounding out the top five, 160 points back. We're hoping Dennis will have a bit more time next week as he's uh, getting to that final stages of that report we were telling you about earlier on Johnny Stewart. I look forward to having you back and joining us once again here on Inside Speedway. Until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Tune in next week for more on Inside Speedway. Inside Speedway is produced by Thunder Media. Any reproduction, accounts, or descriptions of the program without written permission from Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Inside Speedway is brought to you by P1 Australia and by Speedway Classics Magazine, on sale now.